Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, Dad, uh, your new book, Uncanceled, is coming out, uh, which we're excited about, February the 8th. Um, what do you think is kind of the, the core? What would you say is the core message of the book? The, the core message is uh, this will help you in learning how to forgive your neighbor. Yeah. Love your neighbor instead of, and be able to forgive him no matter what. It's uh, very much needed, wouldn't you say, in our culture? Very much so. Uh, we're going to be back on Talk Shop Live on January the 18th at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, that's 7 Central. You can pre-order an autographed copy of Uncanceled. Show them the front of the book there, Dad. There you go. You also uh, can get a a copy of your daily fill, 100 Days of Truth and Freedom to Heal America's Soul. Plus, you can ask Dad and I, and specifically Dad, he's the author, questions uh, on the Talk Shop Live channel. So check us out January the 18th, um, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, and we'll have a good time telling you more about Uncancel. I am unashamed. What about you? So, Dad, I noticed when we came in today, you were eating. I wasn't sure because I knew Mom made meatloaf yesterday for Jep, she told me, which I have to admit, I don't know why I should be this way because Mom cooks all the time for food. But when she's, if somebody said, well, Miss Kay had to make a meatloaf for Jep because he just got in. I was like, "What?" So Jep rolls into town. All of a sudden, we got to have a you know the menu for him. But he had meatloaf. Did you really meatloaf mashed potato? And, and let me tell you something. Let's been say Missy's meatloaf is just is Mom's meatloaf. I mean, it is delicious. Oh, I mean, it is really really good. Now I will say, it's a colon cleanser. You know, because it's hard to get off of. You know, Jep, Jep left the blind this morning saying, is there any no That's, That's right. He said, is there any little, little bit of dirt instead of water? And Stone said, go north up here. And he said, you'll see one little mound of dirt. The deer been laying up on it. So Jep told me when he come back, he said, that final 10 yards, he said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, he said you know, That's I, I barely made it. You know, it's embarrassing. We shot down a duck. You're looking for a dry spot in a thicket. Look. Plus, you got all those clothes and waders. Oh, it's look. so hard. Wow. We shot down. Layers of clothes had oh, to come off. Yeah. We shot down a duck. We didn't have a dog. So I go out front. Well, I missed the conversation Yeah. that Jelp. Too much meatloaf. Too much meatloaf. Because I just had the same problem with my guest who was who left this today. Because overdid the meatloaf. Well, he 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 woke up and he said, "Man, I, I don't know what's wrong with me this morning." <laughs> and I said, "I do," but he kept talking. He said, "I woke, I kept waking up in the middle of the night." But I saw you know he's a big bowed up guy. I saw the amount of meatloaf that he ate, and it was three times what I ate, and I ate. Until I was full. I said, when I saw your plate, <laughs> in my mind, it immediately, I hit the fast forward. You, you got trouble coming. <laughs> I, I said, 
you just your body can't handle that. It's too much. And he said, "Do you think that's what it is?" I said, "No, I don't think it. I know it. I've been where you're at." But when I came back to the blind, well, I heard. I was like, shh, shh, "Be quiet." Phil didn't hear me because it's a lot. It's a big blind, and I thought it was a deer behind the blind. I said, "There's a deer behind the blind," and so I'm looking for the deer, and I was like, "That deer looks like Jeff." <laughs> Because <laughs> I said, why would Jeff? I said, Jeff, we haven't shot a duck back there. And he said, no, I had some problems, man. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't so, relate it to the meatloaf. No, nah, he just said, I had some problems, man. Well, I assume because I saw the direction he was coming from and I knew that was high ground. You just think about it. And I, Well, what I thought, I'm going to avoid that place yeah. for the next 10 days. I mean, you need the way the human function is you need to be on dry ground because water your, your tail hits the water it's not gonna work yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a natural bidet but yeah. not really because yeah. just... so when you're looking for high ground after eating a big bunch of meatloaf i, I knew what he's I, I told him i said uh, only at the depth line could these things happen. So, so anyway, it was no problem. <laughs> oh, why is that so funny? <laughs> oh, so well. <laughs> my my point was. <laughs> When I came in here, you had a bowl, <laughs> and I was thinking meatloaf because I've been hearing all these meatloaf stories. But I looked at it and I was like, "Man, his mom started adding fruit or no. meatloaf." So, but you were eating a fruit cake. No, I had a fruit cake. It was meatloaf followed by a fruit cake. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> now, how is that worth it? Working for you? No problem. Okay. Oh, okay. But I could, I could hold up one hand. I'm 75 years old. One hand to say this is how many times I've had what Jeff, what we call it, the, the old old school bowel trouble. <laughs> <laughs> One hand. Of... <laughs> wow. Oh, man, what a life. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough hands to, for me to show to have. One I, hand. I took after yeah, my I, I'm going to have which to sure, I mean, I'm in my lower bowel tract. I've never had no problems. <laughs> That's but, good to know. But just like him, Jeff's kind of husky, and he said, <laughs> I ate way too much. Well. <laughs> so tell me about the fruitcake that I tried to transition to. You make small slices, but it's delicious. She's. I mean, a lot of people don't, they don't like fruitcake because the people, people who make fruitcakes don't know what they're doing. So the biggest complaint from people that I hear about fruitcake is they're dry. But yep. but Amy, Amy, our cousin, made it right. Yep. So Amy learned it from her mom, Judy, your sister, who's passed away a few years ago. And then Judy learned it from Granny, yep. your mom. But they're, I always like their fruitcake. Ma always put just a little bit of, like, uh, peach brandy. Right. She would... Just dribble a little bit. Yep. Every couple of days. She she, she would wrap it in a cheesecloth. Because you don't eat a lot of fruitcake, but like a big chunk of 
you know. It's it's very yeah. It's uh, filling. You, 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 small, small, you know, <laughs> like this, and not very big around. I mean, right. you, you, did you? So I, I like why? it because it's why, just pure why, fruit. Why can't you eat a bunch of it? I'm just saying it's rich. It, it's so rich, and all it is is fruit it, and nuts. It's dried fruit and I, nuts. You know she what? has a batter that holds it together. Most fruit cakes, you can't eat the things. I've never, but, I've never tried a piece of fruit cake. Yeah, really, it's delicious. It is good. I mean, and I know my family has made it, but I just thought I like cake. I like fruit. Miss Kay, your mama, she doesn't fix fruit cakes. Most people around it don't anymore. No, but used to they made them every every time Christmas came around. Right, but. But Amy, she makes a good one. So I found a I found a bakery over in Texas called Collins Street Bakery. Okay, it's maybe Corsicana is the original one, and I got some there and it was delicious. It was mm-hmm. the only time I've ever found it bought that I thought was pretty good because a lot of it is dry. I mean, that's people. I like eating fruit and then eating like a king cake. Yep. Or oh yeah, I forgot coconut. you're a king cake guy. Oh well, your daughter, she she's a king cake girl. Oh yeah. And, Do you uh, like the one with the cream cheese in it and all that? Oh, yeah. Because right she, now is king cake season because of Mardi Gras and all well, that. Well, I know, but you have to stand in line for three hours. I mean, look, I pulled a stunt. Oh, I need, I've got, I need to bring she, you some from down where in Gulf Shores. They make them. I only want them if they're fresh. Oh, yeah, they're fresh. But, I mean, Every day. if it beats what I've been, what Anna. Yeah, gets. I hear the bakery she's been getting them from is oh, delicious. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you will never grab another king cake out of a store after you eat this. I it it like deemed them like a good king unworthy. And, and me, well, those well, of you in other parts of the country, you may not even heard of king cake. I guess it's a Louisiana thing. Do they, have, do they have the little baby Jesus in They it? have a gold coin, which I like better. <laughs> yep. It's a replica, of course. And look, do you know the last two king cakes? I have bit into the coin on the first bite. Really? What are, what is the statistical probability? What are you supposed to buy the next one? Is that the there's some kind of tradition? Well, that's where I was headed with this. Now she sent me look it it went a didn't I share this? I was in the duck blind at like six thirty in the morning, and I get a text, which is unusual. Usually, it's an emergency situation because everybody I know who would text me at <laughs> six thirty in the morning, I, I'm standing beside. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, and it was I was like Jay. Why is your wife texting me at 630? Because it just pops up yeah. who it was from. And he said, I don't know. I'm surprised she's up. <laughs> and she typed. We had not had a discussion about a king cake, but she said, three-hour line for a king cake. I've been here 30 minutes. What do you think? I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I thought, are you getting me a king cake? Did I say it? But she just knows I love it. Right. And she does too, so she's going to get and one for I, her. I said, whatever you think. And so uh, she said, I'm bailing. So then I was like, ugh. <laughs> Cause she, so I saw her later, and she said, well, I just figured how many could they have made the night before? I guess it was the first day they were releasing them. Right. And I said, well, I'll tell you this. If there was a three-hour line, they're going to make some more because somebody's making some money around there. And, uh, and it tells said, me that somebody else is getting the king cake business. Yeah, People so she, but hours. they are out the highest quality. Yeah, that's, I've heard that. You'd have heard. to know, and a lot of other people found out what Jay's found out. They're the best. That's right. So three days They don't later, line up for crap. I've never had one from this. That, oh, well, it's a, it's a game changer. I'll get Nandy. So get here's what one. happened. Now, I told you about my buddy. Of course, he was there. So about three days later, she shows up with a king cake. And, uh, of course, I've already known that she got up at daylight to try, and yeah. I got the gold coin on the last one. And so this one, because as soon as she put it down there, I just, like, 
started that process right there. So let me try this. Bump a bit into the coin. I was like, I think that's a sign. So I said, so I went in there and got her a hundo. And I said, I'll buy the next couple. And gave it to her, which then she was happy. Oh, you yeah. Know. But then, so we ate the meatloaf. Well, then we chased the meatloaf with that entire king cake. Oh, boy. Oh, ate it all. Ate it all. <laughs> ate it all. <laughs> Ever ate one in one setting? How big is this cake? It's pretty big. I'd say it was probably, you know. Was the two and a half foot long? It was longer than a loaf of bread. You're wondering why human beings <laughs> make a race to get out of the water to get on the knoll and pour their No, I'm not wondering down. at all, but it was so good. Yep, yeah, king it. cakes are great. So, so traditionally, and, and I was first time I ever had one. I was living down south in New Orleans, and so they put Mardi Gras colors on it, usually like the food glitter, and then some of them they have plain, some of them have cream cheese. The cream cheese ones are the best. But then they put a little plastic baby Jesus in there. Yeah, and, yeah, because it's like a Mardi Gras leading up to Ash. Well, a lot of people don't even know that represents baby Jesus. I know, I know, and that's why I said. Some people do the gold coin, you know, but because I don't know, it's a little action figure. But if you happen to die, try to digest that, you're in trouble. That coin you can probably deal with. But that little plastic. Oh, cheap, my goodness. Plastic. I thought that's almost dangerous. How can they do that? I don't know. I don't know. But I remember it was always with that happened at work where I worked at. And if you if you got the, the baby. Then you had to buy the next king cake. Though. Yeah, that that's a, that tradition right. continues. Right, hmm. but down there, down south, every bakery makes king cakes, and they're all really good. So you don't have the problem we got up here, where you just got one place got that knows one what place they're doing. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, it's oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's a great tradition. But but I wonder if they have them in other parts of the I doubt country. It. I don't know. Because I never knew about it until I went to South Louisiana. I mean, is the the king, are they saying representing King Jesus? I guess so, yeah. Well, I'll just do it. That's yeah. what I'll declare that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So it's in Mardi Gras in like, it's usually in February. Oh, I guess that's why. Yeah. All yeah. right. I got it. But it's somehow it's timed out for, because as soon as Mardi Gras is over, they have what they call Ash Wednesday. But they also do it for Easter. Well, at least it's forty days, and then that's when. No, they I'm have, talking about the Kinggate Company. Oh yeah, 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 right. And then they have Lent, which is you give up something until Easter. That's kind of the tradition in the Catholic Church. I guess they're the only ones that do it. That's why they don't make them in between. Right. It's when you're doing that. So it's kind of how it has a tied into Easter and all that. So interesting. I'm sure I'll get a lot of things that explain it better than what I did because I'm just going off of. It being our cultural thing, but it's gotten bigger up here. You know what's interesting, Jay's about Mardi Gras. I didn't realize this till I moved down to the other LA, Lower Alabama. That Mardi Gras is as big in Mobile, Alabama, as it is in New Orleans. Didn't know that. Big parades, the floats, and the, all the stuff to go along mm -hmm. with it. The throwing the bees. I mean, it's huge there. And they told me it was because the first people that came across there, most of them came into Mobile Bay when they got to Mobile, and then they traveled by rivers to get to New Orleans, by waterways, and go. that's how they wound up there. So it wasn't like they just came all the way around the coast. So Mobile was kind of a gateway to New Orleans. So the, a lot of that same culture is in both places, hmm. which I had no idea until I moved down there. So I didn't know now that you know. Do they have king cake? 
They do have king cakes. Huh? There's a lot of them down there. That's what I'm telling you. And I hadn't tried one, so I don't know if they're as good as that. They have crawfish. They do have crawfish. Oh, yeah. Okay. A lot of, lot of similar cultural things from Mobile to, to South Louisiana. Let's take a break. You know, Jace, when I think about sheets on a bed, they're sort of like offensive linemen. You really don't notice them unless something is wrong or somebody messes up. That was the referees. Well, yeah, I guess that's true, too. But, you know, you never think about an offensive lineman until they hold, right? Just holding number 71. If he's doing his job, you don't never think about the penalty until the referee says something. (laughs) That's true. Okay, that works for both. So that's what it is with bed sheets. You get in them. They're not comfortable. They're too hot. They they get these little, I don't know what you call them, little cotton balls on them, all that kind of thing. So I've slept on some uncomfortable sheets in my life, but not anymore because I found bowl and branch. Absolutely the best sheet I've ever slept on. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, the, the high organic cotton that they use is very comfortable. You won't have any issues with them. They're deep sheets, so they don't come off the side of your bed. You get all this at a fair price, plus a 30-day risk-free trial with free shipping if you want to return it, which you won't. Check it out, Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch.com. You're going to get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code Robertson at checkout. That's bowlandbranch.com. Use the promo code Robertson. All right, so y'all want to get back into 1 Corinthians? Yeah. You lead. We'll Are you follow. ready? All right, because I, I preached last Sunday, and then I'm preaching this Sunday. Yeah. And so the way I structured my sermon, which I actually, for the first time in a long time, because I'm pretty good at sticking to my script, but for the first time, I kind of got swept up into my preaching. I looked down, I looked at the countdown over there, because we try to kind of keep it tight. It was all zeros? And I was like, I'm not getting through this. <laughs> this I mean, it's so good, though. This early part we've been talking about is so rich. It was hard for me to get off of that and move forward. But the way I kind of broke it down, last time we talked about the the message of the cross, and I kind of see this as a two-pronged case that Paul's making in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And the first one, he talks about the message of the cross, which I kind of boil down to one word, salvation. Now he's going to talk about transformation because he says in, in verse 4 that we left off with last time, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom but on God's power. And that's what he keeps taking them back to. The problem is if you try to come up with a human way to salvation or to transformation, it's usually not going to, or not usually, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's, well, how did you define salvation? Well, I because at the cross is what takes away sin. So yeah, I, I think, that's what I yeah. So then the transformation. So now, th- so now this week I got through almost that much, and then this week I shift into the second part. I, I compared it to a to two power cells, you know, like or or a plane has two engines. You can fly without one of the engines, but you really don't want to because yeah. <laughs> it's not a very it's not a very good flight. So that's the way it is with the idea about the cross and the spirit. It takes both of those to then be transformed because of what originally happened. Of course, I told a Trent joke. You want me to tell the joke I told Yeah, let's hear it. I'll, I'll tell you what. So oh, I, you've already told this? I told this. You probably something. should have asked this before. Well, it's it's an old joke. But anyway, here's so I said, so I was talking about the engines on an airplane. I said, you know, it's kind of like the old boy that he they were on the plane. that They were on a big one. It had four engines. 
pilot come one of them goes out and the pilot comes on and says we, we've lost one of our engines but we're okay you know we got three engines but it is going to delay us about 20 minutes you know to get to where we're going and then a few minutes later he comes back on and says um, sorry folks so we've lost another engine we still have two we're okay we're, we're, we're safe but this is going to delay us another you know 20 to 30 minutes then he comes back and says that third engine has gone down it's going to be about an hour and a half but we've still got one we're good no boy leans over to the guy and says, if that fourth engine goes out, we're going to be up here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my joke. And then, so everybody laughed, but it was kind of a corny joke. And I said, you know what? I need to send that joke to Trent. That seems like a Trent joke. That to is me. a Trent joke. It just popped into my head. I hadn't planned on saying it, which is why I didn't get through with my text. It was moments like that. Yeah. But the idea is, is that, we need Paul's thing is it, it's going to take not only understanding what got you in, but then where we get now our our wisdom. Where's that going to come from? It can't be human wisdom, which is this point, which takes us to verse six. I mean, how many times does he say wisdom? I mean, I'm just looking through here. He said it in seventeen. It's not with words of human wisdom. I'm talking about preaching the gospel, right? Then he, uh, I just saw a couple of other places. There's two Wait, in verse six. Yeah, he go. He says, "Where's the wise man? Uh, for twenty five, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom." I mean, he he just keeps saying it. Not many of you are wise. Then he said, "Christ in verse thirty has become for us wisdom from God." Look at, yeah, two six. Oh, two six. Yeah, he says it twice. We do, however, speak of a, a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age. It's pretty incredible. It's a lot. And I don't know, Jace, don't you think it probably goes back, at, as we just described last week, Athens is nearby. So obviously there's an influence there. Because remember the speech he gave in Athens, and mm-hmm. was it Acts 17? And so... I mean, obviously, he's dealing with some of that, the idea that people still think they can theorize and philosophize and, you know, come up with ways to describe well, I mean, this whole I, situation. I told y'all before when we went to we went to Athens and Corinth. I mean, you you basically reenact Acts 17 and 18 when right. we went there. Right. And we just got on that hill where in Athens where Paul preached that sermon and we're sitting there. And it wasn't, we just plopped down there because right beside it yeah. is the Aeropagus. Athena. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the bulk of the people are. Right. Because that's, ooh, that's the powerful place. Oh, yeah. All but the- I'm looking here, kind of getting teared up, just being, because that's one of my favorite sermons in the entire Bible, is right. Acts 17. And so Missy's like, I think I should just read that. And I was like, do it, sister. So she gets up and she got, she didn't get two sentences out. She starts getting choked up. <laughs> you know? Well, we're all just sitting there, and there's other people sitting around, but they're not paying attention. But this Russian guy, we didn't know he was Russian at the time, he just plops down there and starts listening. And then he just, after Missy was finished, he's like, well, I don't believe in God. And so I was Fixing to say something? Because Missy's like, after this was all over, she's like, I noticed you didn't say anything. <laughs> but Missy just went into it with him. And I, in a spirit of love, but she was all riled up already because she's putting herself in that situation. 
But it was kind of what we're talking about well, here. Well, the, the irony of that is that Paul was in the speech, was talking to people who didn't believe in God. <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean. It, it just happened. I mean, you can go over to Athens and go on Mars Hill and you read that. And I'm telling you, people are going to have the same response. Isn't that something that that was 2000 years ago and the rock is still there Oh yeah, and people are still doing it and they're still having the same discussion. Yeah. But another thing that comes out of this wisdom thing, when you get to two, uh, it's, he said, we speak of God's, it's an interesting statement, secret wisdom. And this wisdom, we're talking Jesus and him crucified and raised from the dead, has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. So all this was worked out way in advance. And I don't know when the book of Ephesus to the Ephesians the book of Ephesians, I don't know when, how much later the Apostle Paul, than the time frame we're looking at in 1 Corinthians. They're pretty close together. Pretty close together. Yep. Well, so when he gets a hold of that same hidden, hidden wisdom, secret wisdom, and if you look at chapter 3 in uh, Ephesians, uh, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery, that's twice, of Christ, which was not made known to men and other generations that has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery, three times, is that through the gospel, the Gentile, you know, when Jesus got there, he said, I'm going to die be buried and raised from the dead. We looked at that in the book of Matthew. The the kick the kicker is this was unknown. Right. I mean, this was not known by anyone. In fact, in the Corinthians, the Corinthians, he said, if they had known, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, you, know, you, you say he's making a case that the simplicity, although profound, mm-hmm. that Jesus coming down in flesh, dying on a cross, being buried and raised from the dead. Let's see. It's hidden. <laughs> it's a secret. And it's uh, it, it's wisdom at its highest level. And also it has been mysterious from the time it even was dreamed up. So chapter three, that's three times mystery. Uh, I become a servant. Let's see. Created all things. Here it is again. Make plain to everyone an administration of this mystery, which for ages past, this is Ephesians chapter 3, which was kept hidden in God. There's a secrecy of it all, Mm -hmm. who created all things. And he said his intent was, and these people at Corinth were having a hard time rallying together as one, and like Jay said, this is worldwide movement. This is not some kind of willy-nitty deal. You just kind of mess around with it. Because right. at Corinth, they were really stretching it. Right. So he says his intent was that uh, all, these ages past was kept hidden by God, who created all things. His intent was that through the church, that's why one church, one king, one cosmos, one earth, 
through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, that wisdom comes up, the secrets of it all, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. There he's talking about the evil one. Which is why. And all of his minions, you say, this is the way to crush him, but he didn't even see it coming. Which is why he linked those together. Let's take a break, Dad. One of uh, my favorite sponsors of our podcast is a group called Faithful Counseling. Uh, I guess it's because I've been the recipient uh, of great counseling that helped Lisa and I in a time when we needed it. But I've also been one who has counseled a lot of other people through my life. And I know you guys have, too. Even though we're not trained for it, uh, we know the Word of God. But there are trained people uh, who can really help you. And, and like I said, if you're having some situations in your marriage and your family, some things you're having a hard time dealing with, counseling can be a great tool and a great guide. And these guys at Faithful Counseling do it the right way. Everything you share is confidential. They have 3,000 uh, therapists, licensed therapists all across the country. There's different ways you can communicate by video, text, chat. Um, and you can start this in less than 24 hours. So if you have a you know crisis need and you need to talk to somebody, you may not know a counselor in your area, definitely you should give these guys a shout and uh, see if they can help you. They have financial aid uh, for those who qualify. It's faith-based and uh, it's affordable. So check these guys out. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. Uh, for our listeners, you're going to get 10% off your first month uh, from our sponsors. So that's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. You're going to fill out a questionnaire, you get your needs assessed, and they're going to match you with a counselor that can help you. So check them out. That's amazing. It's, that's exactly right. And that's why he called it secret wisdom, because the idea was if if the forces of evil in the heavenly realms had connected with their minions on earth, they never want Jesus to die for the sins of They mankind. wouldn't have crucified they him. They wouldn't have crucified him. And that was the whole deal. The mystery was is that he came to die. What they didn't know is they were playing a role in it, thinking they were getting rid of him. Yeah. This is what's going to happen, but don't tell anybody. That was Jesus. That's right. I mean, you're thinking, what? Right. You, you know, why come you're not jumping up and down about it? Just going. He said, this thing's got to play out as it is written. Right. And he had to, and what the prophet said, and you just think about it, it is quite the story well, coming that's together. Why we've made the point before when you, in the creation, and back in Genesis 1, when you see the spirit hovering over the water, you know he's been here and was going to be a part of everything that happens. So then Peter said, all men who spoke prophecy and wrote scripture throughout all those thousands of years of history were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So yep. therefore, it, through the whole thing, there was a plan that was being developed. That's right. And it played itself out over thousands of years. Think to about get it. You're going to provide salvation for the world. That's everybody on planet Earth. You would have had to had quite the series of events take place. And it's about, you know, five, five or six thousand years of it. Right. And you say, finally, he shows up and, and he's looking at what these people are not seeing. Right. They're not seeing the the mystery part, the secret part, and the power part. Which is why, remember we studied Matthew, every time Jesus would do something, they would say, why'd you do that? And he said, so the scripture would be fulfilled. Yeah. Over and over and over. Because he knew every prophecy that was made about him, and he fulfilled yeah. every it, single one. Every one of them. And he did it in three years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could say 33. And he because, saves the world in a period of three days. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I think the world, our world, is in search of wisdom. 
in the wrong ways because they try to come up with clever sayings. And oh, they claim they know everything. Bumper <laughs> stickers, and right. you know, it's not. They're basically saying we are. It's God. like something like it's not the answers, it's the questions you ask. Wisdom, you know, stuff like that. But it is a complex subject, and when you read James three, he kind of gives you this contrast of wisdom in your life. And y'all remember that in 13 through 18, you know, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done, the humility that comes from wisdom. <clears throat> and first he has the wisdom of the world. It's filled with selfish ambition, bitterness, and there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom comes from heaven <clears throat> is pure peace-loving, considerate, submissive, yep. full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace. Fruit of the, right? spirit, fruit of the spirit. Well, right. But in 1 Corinthians 2, he kind of talks about that in the same vein in verse 12. It says, we have not received the spirit, small s, of the world, selfish ambition, bitterness, mm -hmm. envy. <clears throat> but we have received the spirit of God, who is but we but the spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. <clears throat> and I was gonna say it's coming from this relationship that we had. The last pot or podcast before, when I read the last verses of First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, remember it showed he wanted to remind you, look, this is this is you in a relationship with the Godhead. So if I read that in 2 Corinthians 13, again, where it said, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Well, I see this same principle when it comes to understanding what God has given us. If you'll notice, in the last sentence of each paragraph in two, in chapter 2, watch what he does. In 2.5, now he, was, he said in verse 4, my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words. It wasn't about these, like the world, like coming up with little sayings that you're like, ooh, you're wise. Yeah. But it was a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So here, here's God the Father, His power being supplied. Then you look at verse 10, and that's in response to verse 9 saying, uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. No ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So we have a hard time understanding it. But he, verse 10, he says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So now we have the spirit. We have God supplying the power. We have the revealing through the spirit. And then we get to the last verse in response to another quote from Isaiah. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? You know, how, how? So it's not what. Or, or how, because then he answers the question again by this last little sentence, but we have the mind of Christ. I mean, and there you see the Godhead functioning in wisdom. It's not what you know, it's who. These qualities that are going to come out in your life, it's because you're having fellowship. That's why he started off in verse 9 saying he's called you into fellowship with his son Jesus. You're walking with an actual being. Yes, it's through faith. And you're, you know, he's not whispering in your ear, per se, or you're not looking around. He said, hey, don't do that. But it we have the red letters. We have the verses that 
represents God's qualities. We have trouble more understanding how the Spirit works, but we know we have it, and we know He communicates. And through those three things, you're figuring out how to do it and why right. and what. So I, I think he's making a point here to push it back to there's a real living being. This is not just some organization where some of you have these special gift and it's all just for you. Because then that would be the wisdom of the world. Right. You're having selfish ambition. You're yep. having divisions. You're suing each other. There's rampant immorality going on. Well, that's not representing God is your the which power is why, of God. Which is why. Yeah. Let's take a break. Which is why when you get to the end of Galatians where you read the fruit of the Spirit, he made that stark comparison. You got flesh and you got spirit. And and look, the, the Jason, you're right. People have a hard time. But you actually touched on the secret to understanding it in that verse uh, 11 where he talked about the spirit of the world versus the Holy Spirit, little s, big s. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, it, it's really not as complicated as people make it out to be because the capital S spirit, we already said he is a part of the entity that is known as God. And it is a force that can't be seen, but results can be seen. I mean, that's about the only way I know how to describe it. But that's just like your spirit. Every person has a spirit. And he even says the world itself has a spirit about it. I mean, this all these things they come up with. So your spirit is a force that animates your body. We can't see it, mm-hmm. but we can see the results of it. If a person dies and they do an autopsy and they start cutting into you and they're taking parts of you out, there where's the little where's the spirit in there? Is there is there like a box? Is there a, is there a, yeah. some housing in there somewhere? I mean, the person's dead. The the body is there. All the parts are there. The brain is there, not firing anymore. Yep. Where's the spirit? So just the same mysterious way your spirit animates your body, mm-hmm. however that works. And and have you ever heard anybody that can explain that? Nope. I've heard no scientific human wisdom that says, oh, yeah, here it is. There's a little part here in the Abdullah Mangata that's yeah. this year. No, they can't explain it, but they know everybody has an animating force. And when you die, it's not there anymore. So the Holy Spirit, the entity of God, works with your spirit the same way your spirit works in your body. I mean, that's the best that's way I know how good, to describe yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good good description. And you brought it up. He mentions it because you mm-hmm. see both. You, yeah. When you see one working in where the fruit of it is bad, that's not from God. But you have to purposely pursue this relationship. It's like if you had marriage difficulties, you could spend the rest of your life going to seminars and reading books and trying to get wisdom based on what other people said about your marriage. But if you did all that and you neglected spending time and communicating with your wife, well, it's not going to work because you're not, it, it, it's relational. I, th- I think it's good to go to a marriage seminar, right. but I'm just saying if you left and spent the rest of your life pursuing the idea of it and trying to obtain the knowledge of it, and so my point is, it's not necessarily what you know, because how many times have you had conversations with people that come up and said, I want to get into the deeper things of the Bible? A lot of people. and Because they, they say, I want to have this wisdom. And, and many, many people do that. Mm-hmm. And they get frustrated with me because I say, well, you need to get to know God the Father better, Jesus 
Lord and Savior, and the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That's right. Those are the three things you need to pursue in a relationship environment. Meditation, communication, you know, study, but looking at it from they wrote me a letter, you know, being around other people who seem to be walking this this journey. And because I think that's the basis. It's not what you know, it's who. And through that relationship, God working through you and you believing he's real in an everyday environment and using his power to give you all these opportunities to make him known and to encourage and all these things. That's where you start finding the deeper truths because you're experiencing and you're becoming him on earth because he's in you. Right. Now, I think it's a great uh, way to put it. And it's it's interesting, Jace, because if you think about it, from a human perspective, we, we usually will say, well, if a person has lived a long time, they're naturally wise. Yeah. You know, we'll say the wisdom of age, right? And in some senses, that's true. Because you've got a young person that'll make some mistakes without thinking about it. An older person's probably made them before. But humanity doesn't necessarily make you wise. I know a lot of older people mm-hmm. that are not wise at all. Exactly. They make they live they make terrible decisions. And so it's not just something naturally <laughs> that you can say. That's why he makes this distinction. Humanity, you can, you know, humanity has a lot of good things about it because we're made in the image of God. But what, when you remove the spirit of God out of the equation, then you've got a lot of well, right. you've and, got a lot of ideas, well, but at the end of the day. How would you ever have the mind of Christ if you didn't go back and read what he did? in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then try to line your life up with how he lived. That's right. I mean, look, I'm telling you, I I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so when I'm having a conversation over a water cooler, I I think about when he was at the well. Yep. How can we get this conversation turned around into something spiritual? That's right. Well, the more you do that on a consistent basis, on a daily basis— you start looking at things as the mind of Christ, which is he always got in a situation to try to make the Father look really good because mm-hmm. that's who he was representing. He he kept going back to the Father. He treated everyone as important, always, no matter what they had done, where they had been, where he always did that. And he was really spent a lot of time in prayer. You know, he'd go up to the mountain, to pray, he didn't uh, lash out at those who oppose him. But right. he would he he would draw the line on what other religious people were doing that was not in line with the Father. Right. I mean, you just see it over and over and over and over. And then by the time you get to the end, to hit you know him being silent before his accusers and going to the cross and the resurrection. Well, if you're going to have that mind mind of Christ, you got to spend a lot of time looking at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thinking about it and then looking at your life saying, I need to do this on a daily basis. Right. Going around. And I think just you have to you've said this many times before. When you're dealing with people that only know worldly wisdom, you can't have an expectation that they're going to understand what spiritual truths are. Exactly. They don't have the spirit of God. So we always get so appalled when we Well, he says that. Uh, yeah. where, where does he say that, that word? Well, it's right there. It's in verse 14. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot mm-hmm. understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So that's what's that's what's missing. Well, look, I'll Romans. read you another one. And and when he wrote his letter to Romans 8, it, in verse 6, it says, The mind of sinful man is death, 
but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Now, here's the scary part. Nor can it do so. Mm. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. <laughs> it's you, not going to happen. And you have a mighty throng that's there. And so a lot of Way people say... Way more than not. Huh? Way more there than they're not. That is so correct. a lot of people Pan, say... Jace, let's take our last break. Well, they're hopeless. They're de- what are you saying? That I didn't say anything. I just read it. <laughs> but that's why he became flesh and lived a perfect life and did all that in his life and then gave his life. So you would say, oh, he did that so I could start over, so I could humble my... I mean, that's how this thing works. But you do have to reach a state of brokenness, humility, and hopelessness before you can even see. That's why I made that illustration in the introduction about this, because you have people looking at the sun saying it's not bright. You have people looking at Jesus on a cross and say, well, I think that's foolish. I mean, we're just appalled if someone says that, because we're like, do you have a better idea? Do you have any evidence to that that's better? Or No, they don't, but still it's foolishness because... They're not in that broken, hopeless, they're still puffed up, which, look, it happens in the church, too, because it happened in this church, but where they know, think, I, I know better than God. I know better. This is my life, and I know better. But our spiritual response is to realize that they just need the Spirit of God. When Dad was uh, in an event one time, and he's speaking, and there's a huge crowd there, and uh, these two men jump up on the stage and start cursing you. Mm-hmm. loudly and grab the microphone and you just kind of took a step back. But it takes a second when something like this happens, people freeze. And so for a minute, nobody did anything. They're yelling, cussing, yelling at you, yelling about the event. And then all of a sudden people come up and drag. And so there's, they're dragging them out the whole way back of the crowd. They're screaming they're and screaming hollering. They're screaming and hollering the whole time. And dad just stands there. And so then like they take them out. Well, it's just like you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. That next phrase has got to be pretty good. Exactly. And Dad said, he grabs the mic and he says, the poor souls, I'm just trying to tell them about Jesus. Yeah. Let's I mean, pray, I, Let's pray for them. And then you prayed for them. I just thought that's the reaction really to the world. I mean, like yeah. all that vitriol and this guy is terrible. But instead I of, think a good line would be if that the next time that happens, if it happens. <laughs> we I, hope, I, we I, hope there's no Well, I've time. had a few, you know, stand <laughs> up and. I'll say something yeah. along those lines. But uh, I think a good thing to say, which I'm going to say, is they need the Spirit of God. <laughs> that would be a good line. That's right. <laughs> yeah. exactly. They need the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Because so, I think the crowd would be like. Well, look, when, when Dad said that, it was a thunderous applause. Yeah, it was. When you said it, and then you prayed for him. But I just, that's the response we want. But you know what's interesting? This works both ways. We have an expectation that people that don't have the Spirit of God are not going to have spiritual fruit. I mean, that's what Paul says clearly. But people in the world many times will have an expectation that you're going to do what you're going to be convicted by the Spirit. So the story I hear, and this is from a person that is very close to Bill and Hillary Clinton, was was in the room with Hillary Clinton when the first time it popped on about the controversy with you and Duck Dynasty. So it just comes up on the news, and this person that I know was in the room with her, 
And so when, when they were like, this Phil Robertson said this and blah, 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 and, you know, and she looks at the guy and she uses a few expletives, but she looks at the guy and she said, what would anybody expect? I mean, he's been saying that's who he, he said that for years. Like her thing was, what's the big deal? Because quoted a Bible verse. Right. And her deal was, why, why would anybody be shot? Why should he be kicked off Duck Dynasty for this? Everybody yeah. knows that's who this guy well, is. Phil, I didn't know you had a So, I mean, in a sense, Hillary Clinton defended you, be, but again, because I didn't know that. Yeah, because that's how you lived your life. So mm-hmm. she had an expectation that, well, sure, he's going to yeah. say something that's. Now, she didn't necessarily agree with it, but I'm saying she understood that was your conviction. Yeah. Which is, I think, is oh, a yeah. good thing. I mean, it's a good thing to be known for being a convicted man of God. Yeah, that, that that's true. Well, I think one thing you could do in your sermon or, or could have done. Because it's a scary thought because a lot of people, they're like, I need to do better. You know, if I only knew the right formula, I could make better, wise decisions. And But there is something sobering about hearing, look, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you can't please God, even if you try. You want, something drastic has to change. And so, I mean, I think if I was sitting in an audience, because you remember that with your kids when you're you're raising them. At some point, I had that conversation when they're just they're all going through their teenage years and struggling, and you're like, "Look, without the Spirit of God, this is impossible." You know? Yep. I, I just think it's a it's something that should be said. Because if I was sitting in the audience and I thought, "Oh, I know what my problem is. I don't have the Spirit of God." <laughs> I need no. Well, how do I do that? Well, then we get to Jesus. He's getting there. Yeah, when you get there, you're getting there. Because then you you go through Jesus, which is God calling us in who Jesus is and what He did, and then you're like, oh, so by surrendering, I can I can now give up what my selfish ambition, the wisdom of the world, thousands upon thousands every year. You could probably say every week. Every month, they take their own life because of a misunderstanding of what we are talking about. That's today. a great point. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're the that, hopelessness that Jay's talking about. Just think about it. Where it, would you it, go? That you would get to such a hopeless place. If you didn't go to Jesus, where would you go? Yeah. Well, there, there's a reason that the bab- baptism is a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, earlier you said it's a symbol but it's a, a symbol of a spiritual suicide you, right. you are denying yourself submission. and taking That's up right. your cross and following him yep and so in a in a sad way it's it's eerily similar because you have to come to the conclusion that man i'm kind of hopeless here yeah <laughs> but so, instead of which, instead which of the wordage in the bible if you look at it you you say what uh, god is saying to us how would you just like to start over and be born again? Since exactly. you made such a mess of where you are and now you're 20 years old, you don't know, so you're going to take your own life. Why don't you just stop and listen, turn to God. You can be born again. Start over. And if again, if you didn't, I mean, if you it's didn't, appealing. If you didn't have the spirit of God, you know what you'd say? You'd say, how can a man be born a second time? That's right. right. But you know, a lot of people have asked me, they say, well, how do I know I have the spirit? I said, I always say the same thing. And I'll read this first Corinthians 2.10. Yeah. I say, because God said he gave it to you. 
That's right. They're like, yeah, but how do I know? And it? it's impossible for God to lie. <laughs> that's right. I said, well, that's why we shared Jesus with you. I'm like, yeah. And you responded, yeah. So he said, I'm giving you, I'm revealing to you wisdom from heaven mm-hmm. by giving you my spirit. It's in there, whether you acknowledge it or not. I I started acknowledging it. Right. Well, let's look at, let's see if you have it. When we get over to the fruit of the Spirit, that's you right. know, Galatians 5.22, and they're like, well, that's that's my point. It's like, well, maybe you just need to acknowledge. That's why I keep going back to the relationship aspect of it. If you're looking at church like something you go to once a week and you're taking a class, putting your time in, and you go out there and live out, you know, however the heck you want to live, that's not the mind of Christ. That's right. He was never once a week going to something saying, all right, now, let's have some church here, and I expect to see you back here next Sunday. Right. And while I'm here, I'm going to be very spiritual. It's just so, crazy. I, I mean, when you read these letters in detail, though, this kind of stuff comes out because you look at their problems and you're like, man, this is embarrassing. I mean, even churches, they, they'll they do a class on 1 Corinthians just to make themselves feel better about what's going on there. And they're That's like, right. I tell you what, we had not sued anybody in here in at least four years. <laughs> well, it's they missed the point. You're right. Yeah. And it becomes strange. So to reset, to get us ready for next time, so he, he lays out this problem. He What I feel like is the biggest problem, because until we get this solved, we can't move on to the other problems. So he's making this case about these divisions, being distracted, having your trust in men instead of in God. And then he brings out these two ways that you have to look at. Once you get the power of the cross and you understand that, it saves you. Then you receive the Holy Spirit and you're transformed. You understand this wisdom. So when he gets to chapter 3, which we're talking about next time, I I think it's just him illustrating everything he just said because he's going to go back and repeat the thing again. And he's going to give an illustration. This is my sermon this week, Jay's. How to build a temple. I like this. I like where you're going. This, how to build I already a know where because I was gonna say how to burn one down. <laughs> well, in, in the case <laughs> get rid of one. <laughs> in the case of this, the temple's already gone, you know, in the mind of people. But yeah. Well, you so, see where I was yeah, going. Yeah, I see where that. you're going. So that's so so next week I will have preached my sermon. We'll see how well I did. So y'all can critique me. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.